Well, I personally want to thank all of you folks for taking time out to come here this evening. It's really been a pleasure to be here and to see familiar faces from last year. Uh, we've had a visit with some of you folks already. Uh, before we start, before we start any of our meetings, we always have a special song that we sing. Now, some of you know that special song because we sing it every time we go somewhere. And that song is Proverbs 17:22. How many of you heard the song or know the song? Wonderful. Okay, and if you would like to follow along, we'd like for you to turn to uh, Proverbs 17:22. And in hopes that during these series of meetings, we may be able to elaborate a little bit more about that text and what it means for us to apply it to our own personal life. Does everybody have it? Psalm 17, I mean, beg your pardon, Proverbs 17:22. Okay, we're going to start off with a merry heart. A merry heart, do it good like a medicine, like a medicine is a merry heart, but a broken Dryeth the bones. A merry heart doeth good, doeth good like a medicine. Proverbs 17, 22. And we'll turn it over to Mrs. Heathman. It is indeed a pleasure to be here this evening. Um, and see so many friends that we made last year when we were here. And uh, it just seems like uh, sometimes your heart is just bursting when you meet people that you've met before and you love and uh, learn to love and like believers. And then when you see them again. And you know that sometimes medical, Michigan, medical missionary work can be hard. Do you know that? Have you ever tried to do medical missionary work? And it can be hard, but you know the rewards that God has for us, and I think one of them is when you see friends that you've met around the world in different places, and um, it just brings you such joy in your heart, and he always has this happen just at the right time when he knows that you need it most to encourage you to uh, stay in his work. Now, this evening, um, I didn't have a chance to see the schedule yet, but I think they have me booked for nutrition and, uh, um, is this it, the program for this evening? All right, and the immune system. Because of the time, uh, what I'm going to do is sum on nutrition and save, save the immune system for tomorrow morning. Because, you know, we can give you so much uh, material, you can only retain you know, about seven points of interest for one thing. And, um, and another thing, because the immune system is so important, as well as nutrition, that, and then with what my husband is uh, going to be presenting, that I feel that it's just too much in one evening. So I decided to keep the immune system for in the morning. And um, I really thought that this probably would be really attended uh, because of the hours before sundown that we could touch more on nutrition. And uh, I was hoping that more people would be interested in nutrition and 
what they can do for a happier, healthier, and uh, longer life. Um, I wonder, could we move this down a little bit? Do you think um, it's hitting right in, I don't know if you have to put it down that, will it still pick me up that far? Yeah. Okay, very good. All right, uh, so I just would like to really jump right into the subject this evening of uh, nutrition because, you know, today we see a growing trend toward health and fitness. Have you noticed that? More people are exercising and uh, looking into having a healthier diet and reading labels and um, just making healthier choices all, all the way around. And yet we see more and more degenerative diseases. And so something is happening. And I'd just like to give you a few statistics here. Uh, first, I'll give you some in America. Every 30 seconds, someone is diagnosed with cancer. Every 55 seconds, someone dies of cancer. That's 1,400 every day. And this year, more than 145,000 women will learn that they have breast cancer for the first time. And almost one-third of the men who die this year will die of colon or prostate cancer. And heart disease causes 54% of the deaths. And every 25 seconds, there's another heart attack in America. And we are spending uh, more than $15 billion a year on diabetes. Now here in the Ukraine, I only have a couple of uh, statistics. Every three minutes here in the United Kingdom, I said Ukraine, I meant the United Kingdom, someone dies of a heart attack. And heart disease costs the United Kingdom more than four billion pounds a year. So what is going wrong uh, for a people that are claiming to be more health-minded? This is a pretty dismal record, isn't it? Well, you know, we are the last generation. We're the most puny people that ever lived on the face of this earth. And we need to learn a better way to be able to get through the times that we're going to go through. And they're fast upon us. And, you know, uh, we as Seventh-day Adventists have had a beautiful, loving message from a loving Heavenly Father. And I'm afraid <clears throat> that we are... Um, experiencing some of the results that the world is um, with heart disease and um, cancer and diabetes and uh, those kind of diseases. And yet God has said that he would put none of these diseases upon us that he put upon the Egyptians if we would follow his um, guiding. Now disease never comes without a cause. The, first, the way is first prepared and invited and the way is invited by disregarding the laws of health. Now, <clears throat> I was hoping that we would have our New Start sign here this evening, but I know that all of you are familiar with the New Start sign, and so let's say those health laws together. Nutrition, exercise, water, sunshine, temperance, air, rest, and trust. All right, now, you know, if I was to um, hold a pen up here and just let go of it, and it would fall to the floor, you know that it would fall to the floor. That's a natural law, isn't it? Well, you know, if you think about these eight true health principles in the same way, if we disregard these eight uh, true health principles, it's a natural law also that we're going to be sick. We just cannot disregard 
these um, wonderful, beautiful truths that the Lord has given us without inviting some kind of a, a sickness. The major cause of death and disability are related to the, to the diet. And this includes coronary heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, obesity, several forms of cancer, and other chronic diseases. And seven out of 10 deaths are directly attributable to lifestyle. Now, what do we mean by lifestyle? We used to believe that we inherited our parents' diseases. And you know how we got that idea is because when you go to the doctor, he'll say, you know, did your parents, what did they die of? And, you know, or what uh, illness do they have? And so it sort of plants the idea in your mind, if they have it, I'm going to have it. You know, but the truth of the matter is, it's the lifestyle. In other words, if they loved high-fat foods, lots of sugar, rich cream, and that kind of thing, we acquired a taste for it as a child, and then as we go through life, we acquire some habits of our own. And so seven of the 10 deaths are directly attributable to lifestyle. And too much fat, too much sugar, uh, too much protein, salt, and refined foods are specifically linked to six of the 10 leading causes of death in the United States. And indeed, we are the most overfed, undernourished people on the face of this earth. And the further we get from the diet that God gave in the Garden of Eden, the more perverted our appetite. But we can choose to change, and that's the motto of our class, choose something better. We don't have to stand by and become one of those statistics. We can choose something better. And why not, if it tastes good and it's good for you, why not choose something better? Do you know that God made us a promise that as we neared the end, and when the time was to get off of these things, he promised that he would open the way by giving us tasty recipes. Do you know that we as a people, Seventh-day Adventists, don't even know that we have the tasty food that we do? I mean, most, most Seventh-day Adventists are not aware of the tasty food. We have a replacement for everything. And if you can think of a dish, there's no replacement for. If you give it to myself or Mr. Heathman, we'd be glad to take it back and develop it into a recipe that would be a healthful recipe. So our ministry, it started some years ago. Uh, you know, uh, when I first became a, a Christian, uh, the Lord spoke to me, and I didn't recognize his voice. I was a new Christian, and uh, someone asked me if I'd work in a cooking school, and I said, no, mm -mm. I, that's not my ministry. I'm not doing that. And, um, you know, God speaks to us through other people, through his word, through nature, and then through our own mind. Isn't that correct? Well, a year went by, and I received another call from the Lord. And uh, this time I said very emphatically, absolutely not, no way, I will never do a cooking school. Well, brothers and sisters, be careful when you say, I will never, <laughs> because that might be the very thing you have to do. And um, again, I didn't recognize that it was the Lord's voice calling me into the health work. And um, I said, no, that I just wouldn't do that. My husband said, well, wouldn't you just at least give him a hand and help him out? I said, no. No, that's not my ministry. And um, 
Then a very short time after that, I, what I was doing at that time, I was going into the home and teaching health one-on-one, uh, -on -one, teaching people how to cook without uh, animal products. And um, I had been praying to the Lord if I could get more training, and the Lord opened a way where I could train under some wonderful uh, doctors who were teaching natural health. And, um, and there was quite a few of them, and I was a able to attend their lectures and just retain, um, obtain a lot of hands-on uh, information and um, uh, ways of administering this. And while I was there, the Lord spoke again, and this time it was through my mind. And he said, the fields are white, ready for harvest, and the laborers are few. Will you work in my vineyard? And not only did he graciously ask me, he showed me in my mind, actually, you know, it wasn't any picture or any drawing or anything, but it was just in my mind as it came, I knew it was from the Lord. And we put together the classes that we go from place to place to teach. And we like to do them at least six sessions or eight sessions. Eight is more ideal. Twelve is the best because you have more lifestyle change the longer you stay with the people. Now we do do weekend ones like we're doing here. But uh, you don't see as much lifestyle <clears throat> changes as you do with a longer meeting. And so <clears throat> I began to do them in the, uh, the area where we lived. And um, uh, the Lord blessed right away. I mean, uh, we had anywhere from 45 to 80 students with every class. And we come from a relatively uh, small town. I will admit that uh, the newspaper editor there uh, was very good in putting uh, health principles and keeping up on what's going on around the world with the uh, disease and animals and what have you. So that was one thing that helped us. And another thing, the Lord opened it up to where the hospital and all of the doctors in that area sent their patients to us. And uh, we just had so many wonderful things happen in people regaining their life, or regaining their health, I should say, and um, that it became quite popular in our city where we were living. And we began to do them in uh, the areas around as far as we could. If it was too far, I would go by myself. My husband would go and set me up, and, and then uh, he'd come back at the banquet time. and. Um, then uh, we were able to go a little further and a little further until we were going out of state and and just wherever they wanted the health message. And believe it or not, it's the people of the world that accept the health message more than we do. Are you aware of that? Yeah. It is so sad because when we go, we f say if you have 75 students, maybe five of them are Seventh-day Adventists and the rest are the people of the world. And the people of the world are applying these things. And brothers and sisters, one of the things that really breaks my heart is that new age is moving in. You know, science, science now has uh, all that we have. Councils on Diets and Foods is the most scientific, up-to-date book on the market today. And uh, if we don't do our work, the new age people are quite happy to go and do it for us. The only thing is they're making new star people. They're leaving out the last one, trust in divine. And so we must gain a knowledge of this message. We have only a tiny bit of training time left. And brothers and sisters, we're going to see him dying on our left hand and on our right hand thousands at a time.
And what are we going to do? They're already sick and dying all around us. And what are we going to do when they come to us and say, you have the health message. What can you do for me? I'd like to share with you a story about Mr. O'Brien. Mr. O'Brien came to our classes and he'd been told that he needed, he'd already had bypass surgery and the um, legs in his arteries were clogged up. He had claudification in the legs of the arteries. They wanted to do more uh, surgery and uh, replacing these arteries and he came to our class and I had just made the statement that these degenerative diseases were reversible and um, Mr. O'Brien raised his hand and said, well, my doctor said they're not. And um, anyway, I shared with him the best I could about what was happening at the wellness center. And um, Mr. O'Brien said, well, I don't want to pay for the wellness center and the surgery too. And he left. Well, I quickly went and called the doctors that I knew and worked with. And I said, you know, is there that one isolated chance that it's not going to work? Because if there's one isolated chance that it's not going to work, I don't want to be standing there telling this man that it's going to work. They said, look, tell him to come down here. We had a man that his feet had already turned black, and this man is running 13 miles a day. Tell him to come down here. And <clears throat> so I went back and that week, and uh, I was so happy. I said, Mr. O'Brien, I explained it all to him, and he said, look. In the meantime, he said this last week, I called a doctor in New York, and I called my brother, who is a specialist, and they both told me it is not reversible get the surgery right away. Well, I didn't wanna, I didn't know what, what to do, but I would just share with him each week as best I could, and each week I'd say, won't you go to the wellness center? And each week he'd say the same thing, I don't wanna pay for the wellness center and uh, have the surgery too. But at week six, we always did them 12 weeks uh, at a time. At week six, he raised his hand, he said, I'd like to give a little testimony in this class. He said, when I first came here, I could only go about a block, and I had a cane that would open up into a little chair. Have you seen those kind of canes? I'd have to sit down and rest until the pain subsided, and then I could go on a little further. He said, today, I'm going a mile and a half as fast as I can go uphill, and I have no pain. He said, this really works. <clears throat> well. After the class, I could hardly wait to go over and talk to him. I said, Mr. O'Brien, now will you go to the wellness center? And he said, why should I? I can get the same thing here for $20. <laughs> and uh, when we left the West Coast, we went and talked to him and uh, for some friends of ours. We said, uh, Mr. O'Brien, do you have any problems at all? Because he got rid of high uh, cholesterol. He got off all of his medication. He had been taking antacid, Tums, and that sort of thing every day of his life for three years. And he said the third day on the program, he had no more indigestion problems. Everything cleared up for him. He was so elated. And so we said, do you have any problems at all? And he said, yes, I do. I have one. See, Mr. O'Brien was in his 70s. He said, I can't find anyone my age to go skiing with. <laughs> Mr. O'Brien truly did go back to skiing, something he hadn't done for years. And I'd like to share with you another story about a man who was 92 years old in Australia. Last year, when we went to Australia, we met him. He came to us. He had a white cane, and um, he was losing his eyesight. He had a really big front, and um, he um, 
came to us, he said, look, uh, I want to go over with you exactly what I'm doing in my diet. I want you to tell me what to do. And um, he loved the classes and he applied everything he was learning as best he could and he wanted some extra help. And so he went over his um, uh, diet with us. And one thing in Australia that they do, and I hope you don't do it here in England, and that is that they eat about, I think about six meals a day. So in other words, uh, they get up in the morning and they have what they call tea. And um, tea is a light meal. And uh, well, I think you have tea here also, so you'd know that, wouldn't you? Then they have their breakfast. And then around 10 o'clock they have tea. And uh, that would be like with uh, sweet rolls and uh, coffee or whatever they would have. And then they have their noon meal. And then they have afternoon tea. And then they have their uh, main meal. And then they have, I think, what they call supper, just before they go to bed. He said, now the only thing is, I feel so full. <laughs> and I said, yes. Um, and uh, the thing is, nothing was given time to digest. And think of all these impurities that were in his blood because of all this uh, putrefied mass. Well, anyway, uh, he loved the health message. And, and when we came, he said, in the morning, I have scrambled eggs. And uh, I have scrambled um, sort of like a, a ground beef sort of thing. And um, he described how he fixed it and everything. So we explained to him about it. He said, out. It goes out, out. And he did. Everything that we taught, out, he said. Now, his wife was much younger than he. They had been married a short time. And she didn't particularly want to eat this way at all. But she said, if you want to, I'll fix it for you. And she helped him. Well, this last, uh, just a few months ago, we went to Australia. And we all went to a wedding. And he was invited to this wedding. It was the first time we saw him. Well, the first thing I noticed, he had no white cane. And he was running around like a young man. And he had the physique as my husband. He had no uh, big front on him. And uh, you remember his wife was a good 20-some years younger than he that didn't want to follow in the health message. She was in the hospital, and he was doing all the duties. And she used to help him walk and guide him. And now it was he taking care of her. God is so good. Our message is such a beautiful, loving message from a loving Heavenly Father. Also, when we were here at camp meeting last year, we shared with you about this man that had the lung cancer. Do you remember that story? Anybody remember that story? All right, this man's name was Harold. And when we went to Australia the first time, he and his wife came and they said, you know, we have never heard the health message. Will you help us? And they said, my husband had um, colon cancer and they did surgery. And when he went back to the doctor, they were hoping that they, the doctor was going to say everything's fine now. But instead, the doctor said, it has metastasized to your lungs. Can you help us? She said, my husband, my children are too young not to have a father. Is there anything you can do? We said, well, do you have faith? Do you believe? And of course, we know that lung cancer, there's only a few cases in the known in the world that have been cured of lung, uh, cancer of the lung. And there are miraculous healings from God. And um, we said, do you have faith? Do you believe God can heal 
And they said, yes, we do, we believe. And so we shared with him the cancer program that I used. And um, he went out to a farm right away. And um, his wife kept coming to the class. She prepared the food and took it to him while he was there because the people didn't know how to cook this way. And um, he began to regain his strength. And after we were home, well, we spent quite a bit of time in Australia, I think two or three months. Then after we were home for several months, we had word that he went back to the doctors and they did x-rays and they found nothing in his lungs. And they asked him, what have you been doing? And they shared the program with him. Well, we got to, we didn't get to see Harold this time, but he left a long letter for us. And he said, I'm still clean. You know, the doctors won't call you clean until five years after you've had surgery or after you've been diagnosed is what I want to say. And he said, I'm still clean and I'm still on the program and I'm following those uh, health principles and God is so good. They find nothing in his lungs. So we believe that he's had a um, um, miracle. <coughs> now, do you think that Harold would have been healed if he didn't change his lifestyle? No. He could have done whatever. He could have gone to the doctors. He could have, he, if he didn't change his lifestyle, he needed to change his lifestyle for God to be able to lay his hands and heal him. Now these degenerative diseases that we are talking about are reversible and we know they're reversible because we've seen it happen everywhere we go, some. But if you have it here, and you don't apply it, you're not going to get the benefits from it. It's only those that apply it that are going to get the uh, benefits of it. And believe it or not, the easiest degener degenerative disease to reverse is uh, adult onset diabetes. And you know that many people think once they have diabetes as an adult that they're on insulin the rest of their life and so on. And we've seen many people come to this program and get off their insulin and to regain their health. And of course, I regained my own health through applying these eight true health principles. And I just feel duty-bound to go from place to place and share with others because there's plenty of them sick and dying everywhere waiting for someone to come and share with them that there is a better way. Now, the object of these remedies, of these eight true health remedies, is to teach us how to live so that, you can give, that we can give nature a chance to remove and resist the disease. So nutrition, grains, fruits, nuts, and vegetables constitute the diet chosen for us by our Creator. These foods prepared in a simple and natural manner as possible are the most healthful and nourishing. And I just marvel when I see what science is bringing out and what God has done for us. You see, if you read councils on diets and foods, many times you're told, you know, you can see in there, we should be doing thus, thus, and thus. But it never says, many times it doesn't say why. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't always say why. But science has now caught up with our message and tells us why. And it's so thrilling I'm just uh, overjoyed when I see how much God loves us and just what he's done and put in our food, the protection he's put in our food, and, um, and also with the other council 
that he has given us. Dietary factors are considered to be associated with up to as high as 50% of the cancers. And therefore, scientific bodies around the world are making dietary recommendations to lower the cancer risk. And the single most important dietary factor to lower cancer is the adoption of the vegetarian diet. Well, this is science talking. Animal products have been associated uh, with cancers of the prostate, colon, breast, ovary, pancreas, and more. And if you would turn with me in your Bibles just now to Leviticus 3. Leviticus 3, 17. Leviticus 3.17 says, It shall be a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings that you eat neither fat nor blood. Now, uh, what I want to ask you is how long is perpetual? Forever. Throughout all your dwellings that you eat neither fat nor blood. Well, Dr. Hansen tells us that in one of his lectures, that if we would pay attention to this one Bible verse, we could almost eliminate heart disease and cancer. Just one Bible verse, we could almost eliminate heart disease and cancer. And um, from there, go with me over to Exodus 15. Exodus 15, 26. Exodus 15, 26 says, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, I have several questions that I want to ask you about that Bible verse. Did you notice the commandments and statutes? What do you think that is? I mean, we, I know you know what the commandments are and keep his statutes. What, what are those? It's all that God has said, isn't it? Amen. Very good. So he says, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. Do you know the diseases that were upon the, the Egyptians were the same diseases we have today with diabetes and gallbladder problems and, you know, cancer and all of those things were the same diseases that we have today. And he's saying, I will put none of these diseases on you. And so the thing is, we need to look and find out if the, the Lord never breaks his promises to us. And so we need to find out what are we doing wrong. Now someone says, but didn't God give permission to eat meat, eat flesh foods? Of course he did. He gave, us, uh, uh, gave them permission to do it. But the, you know, there's two things we need to think of. He gave the permission, one, was because there wasn't any vegetation. But number two, 
He gave it to shorten man's life. Are you aware of that? Can you think of how uh, sinful man would be today if he lived 500 years? Sin he could think up in 500 years? But um, he also, along with the permission to eat it, he gave it strict instructions how it was to be prepared. First of all, it was to be from a healthy animal. Now, um, in America, I often say to some health educators, where are you going to get a healthy animal today? I mean, it's in our newspapers on the front page all the time about what's happening in animals and the diseases happening in humans that they have absolutely no cure and they're coming in so quickly they don't even have time to name them before they have another whole set of them and some of them sound like a science fiction movie. I don't know if you're aware of it, if they're keeping you up to date here in England of what is going on with the diseases in animals and humans today. And you would have to have nerves of steel to be able to use some of these products. But God did give permission, but he said it was to come from a healthy animal. Well, I always say, where are you going to get this healthy animal? And I had someone say, well, there's a few in Montana. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, what's your chance of getting some from Montana? What about people in Australia? What are they going to get? How are they going to get this from Montana? And we're talking now even about the byproducts. And even that, where I live, what would be my chance of getting some of this healthy animal that might be in Montana? And I don't even believe they're that healthy. I just believe they don't even know yet. They may be a little behind all the other animals. And so it was to be from a healthy animal. It was to be killed in a certain way. And it was to be hung up with all of the blood drained out. You know, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And when you go to the doctor and you have a problem, doesn't the doctor always take a blood test to see what's the matter here when you don't know what's the matter with you? So it's not only the life of the flesh is in uh, the blood, but so are all the diseases. And God was holding them from us, not because he was trying to make our food uh, so that it wasn't tasty and put a cross to bear. It was a gift, a loving gift from a loving Heavenly Father. So he said all the blood was to be drained out, and then it was to be butchered in a certain way. And then, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but he told them how this was to be prepared. It was to be uh, washed. After it was uh, butchered in a certain way, it was to be washed three times and that water thrown away. It was to be boiled and that water thrown away and boiled and that water thrown away because God wanted you to follow this in the scriptures where it says, eat neither fat nor blood. And that's what was getting out of it, was the fat and the blood, by preparing it in that way. Now, my next question is, do you know anybody that prepares meat in that manner? I mean, at the first International Congress on Vegetarianism, we uh, were delighted to be able to hear uh, a rabbi who came to speak and tell us about kosher meat and how it was, that's how come I knew that how it was to be prepared. I mean, it's in the scriptures. But anyway, he shared with us. And your chances of uh, getting meat that are prepared like that are absolutely, practically zilch. Um, 
also in America, I should tell you this, I don't know if this is happening here or not, but in some places they're putting on the packages of meat hazardous to your health, you know, much like a cigarette package. Now let me ask you a question. We need to be thinking people here. Hazardous, how can we be, they're trying to put the responsibility over on the consumer of these products. How could we be responsible? We don't know what kind of animal it was. We don't know how it was killed. We don't know whether the blood was drained out, which probably wasn't. And uh, we don't know if this animal was sick. So how could they push the responsibility off on the consumer? It'd be absolutely impossible. And yet, I don't think, you know, and I know that I couldn't put it in my mouth anyway. You know, I just couldn't because I, knowing what I know. But even if I thought it was from a healthy animal and I ate meat, you know, say I ate flesh food, I couldn't put it in my mouth after I saw a label like that, could you? I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know how we could uh, miss this. Now the initiating factor in many cancers is a virus. The number of viruses introduced, cancer viruses introduced in the body can be cut down by stopping the consumption of animal products, such as flesh foods especially, and of course the milk and eggs and cheese, etc. Now let's just talk about that for a few minutes, about uh, milk. If, you, if they don't have any healthy animals, you're not going to have any healthy milk either, are you? We used to say in our health lectures, we used to warn people about the antibiotics. And it was true, because look what's happened. We have no antibiotics that will touch these viruses, these diseases, and these animals, because they've built up immunity to it. And so what they're doing is making stronger and stronger antibiotics for the animals and human. We used to say that in a, uh, uh, that 20% of the cattle had the leukemia virus were left in the milking lineup from three to six months after they were diagnosed. Today in California, the cattle there have over 80% of the leukemia virus and are left in the milking lineup from three to six months after they're diagnosed. What do you think our chances of getting healthy milk? Now listen, milk, people say, but don't they pasteurize it? But it's not brought up to a high enough heat um, to kill these viruses. And um, in order to kill the leukemia virus, it has to be boiled for 20 minutes. Where did you ever hear that before? If you were going to use milk, boil it for 20 minutes. Do you ever remember hearing that? It's in councils on diets and foods. And have you ever tasted milk that's been boiled for 20 minutes? It's not very palatable, is it? And we have such wonderful substitutes. And at the Second International Congress on Vegetarianism, they showed soy milk to be superior of all milk. It's the best. It's the best for you. But be careful. Find one that doesn't have soy isolate in it, because that's not a good product. All right. Um, soy isolate. It's a part of. It's a part of the soy. Uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of my talk, but it's a part of the soy. Soy isolate is part of the soy, but it's been processed in such a way that soy isolate is in all of these meat analogs and in milks and different things like that. It's a portion of the soybean, but it's been processed in a way that it becomes carcinogenic. So uh, you want 
you want to use night there there's some on the uh, market of which I don't like the way they're packaged but they're still superior to other milks because they're packaged the same exact way as if you get cow's milk anyway so it's a better for you because it doesn't have all of those um, viruses and disease in it and then eggs there's no uh, no eggs on planet earth anywhere that doesn't have the leukemia virus and there's no such thing as eating a raw egg anymore. And in America, it's against the law to use uh, things that have raw eggs in them, like uh, in institutions, you know, like children, where children eat there, and like mayonnaise has raw eggs in it uh, because of the salmonella and different viruses that are in it. And so if you're going to use an egg, you'd want to cook it for at least 20 minutes again. But uh, eggs are too high in cholesterol to begin with, and um, so it would be just better to take the replacement that God has provided for us. And then cheese, <clears throat> at the Second International Congress on Vegetarianism, they showed in all of the tests coming in that cheese is leading out in the cause of cancer, a cancer of every kind. And so, it's well to find a good cheese substitute also. And this is some of the things that we want to share with you that while we're here this weekend, we hopefully that we can leave you some good cheese recipes and some substitutes for these things that I'm talking about. And then how many of you here, Now I want to see your hand if you know this for sure. How many of you know that the AIDS virus is in cattle? Really, are some of you know it and not holding up your hand? I want to see your hands real high. How many know that the AIDS virus is in cattle? Okay, that's, that's not very good, for, you know, really, because it's in the newspaper, it's everywhere. And uh, I think I shared when I was here at Gaisley, how many of you were here last year when I was here at Gaisley? Can I see your hand? Okay. Um, two of our academies called Heartland and said, you know, how do you cook without milk and eggs? We need to know right away because we tested our cattle, which they know were raised properly, fed properly. And seven out of 10 are pos positive for the AIDS virus. This is happening all over. In America, when you go to, uh, uh, you can go somewhere, you have 70, 80 people waiting there because they found a whole uh, herd of cattle with the AIDS virus in them. And you remember Mrs. White said that there would be a group of people who wouldn't touch any of those things other than they did, wasn't necessarily Seventh-day Adventists. There's people all over this world that won't touch any animal products. And how do we, as Adventists, dare use these things when the whole world knows that it's so harmful? And God gave us this message over 100 years ago. And he gave us a loving message. It came from a loving Heavenly Father because he wants us to be well. And he also wants us to get ready for his soon coming. And you know, brothers and sisters, lately I've been asking the Lord, you know, he's ready to come. He wants to come. He wants to put an end to the sin and sorrow and sickness. I said, Lord, Am I holding it up? <clears throat> Is it me? We must step up to higher ground as a people. God is calling us up. 
He wants us to be a people above all people, for an example, so that the Lord can look at us, the world can look at us, and say, here is a people. They have something that I want, that I need, and that my family needs. There are people all over this world that are grasping the health message, and they are not Seventh-day Adventists. I'm sad to say. And brothers and sisters, I have a burden in my heart in here in telling this information and sharing it with you in that God says that if you hear the message and you don't do it, your own heart will be hardened. And it breaks my heart to think that I might be standing here helping you to have your heart hardened. He is calling us to put these things away. Not because he's punishing us, not because it's a set of do's and don'ts. It's because it is a message, a loving message from a loving Heavenly Father to help you get through the plagues because the time is coming and very soon it is coming. And God wants us to be ready and he wants us to be able to live with him in heaven. And the way you can tell whether you're ready or not, brothers and sisters, is to ask yourself one question. And it's a question I've been asking myself. Am I ready to live with holy beings? I mean, holy beings who have never sinned? Am I ready to look Jesus in the face? Or am I going to call for the rocks and the mountains to fall on me? It's a question each one of us need to ask ourselves. High-fat, high-protein diets are carcinogenic, certain chemical, oh, from there, I want to go into, I've given you the things that are harmful, the animal products, what's happening, the disease, I barely touched on it, but I want to go into what God has done for us and what they're bringing out in every health paper that you're picking up. And you know that there's institutions like Heartland all over in the United States that are not Seventh-day Adventist ones. Only they're even stricter than the Seventh-day Adventist ones. I mean, they've come so strict on oil that they're even cutting out nuts. You know, when these health educators don't agree, what are we going to do? If we haven't studied it, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what I do. I go to the Bible. And what does the Bible say? If you have a health educator that has an institution and uh, people seem to be getting well on what he's teaching, well, what are we going to do? We need to go back and look at the word. And God says we can have some nuts, doesn't he? Yeah. So if they're cutting it down, the fat down so much to where you can't even have nuts in your diet, I say that that's a little extreme. Well, there's certain uh, chemicals called endols, endols that are found in the members of the cabbage family, and probably most of you know that cabbage, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, and broccoli, all of these have this protection in them against cancer. Wasn't God good to us? And um, then in tomatoes, tomatoes have a, a substance called lycopene, and there's a double protection for pancreas cancer in there, in all of those deep red things uh, that has this lycopene that's a cancer for a protection for cancer. All fresh fruit and dried fruit as well. And I was so happy to see all the information on dried fruit because it also has a cancer protection built in.
I want to just briefly talk about soybeans. I attended um, a, a symposium on the role of soybeans in preventing and treating chronic diseases. And it was amazing as the test came in showing that soybeans, now listen to this, soybeans were wonderful for lowering cholesterol in reversal of atherosclerosis. It is reduced, it is used for reducing heart disease, lowering the blood pressure, preventing or reversal of cancer, for kidney disease, and regulating the thyroid, and used in treatment for osteoporosis and much more. And the test showed that soybeans have a compound that protects us from cancer of the breast, prostate, lungs, head and neck cancer, colon cancer, cancer of the pancreas, to name a few. And there is more and much more that they are doing with soybeans. Now, how many of you know how many different varieties of soybeans there are? Somebody tell me how many different varieties of soybeans there are. Pardon me? How many think, how many think that there's at least five different Variety of soybean. Anybody think there's ten? Oh, okay. Seven thousand three hundred and fifty-six different varieties of soybeans, every color, shape, and size imaginable. Of course, there is the one that uh, they were doing the tests on. There is a substance in soybeans that uh, do the same thing as tamoxifen. Tamoxifen is what they give ladies with breast cancer. It's a light chemo and it has harmful side effects, side effects. And soybeans will do the same thing. And in the Asian countries, these ladies don't have a word translating hot flashes because they've never experienced them because of what's in soybeans. So ladies, if you're having problems and um, uh, with uh, uh, menopause and hot flash. These ladies experience it once they get on the Western diet. So look at the diet and put some soybeans into your diet. I was just really uh, thrilled to learn that about uh, soybeans. Now, all beans have a cancer protection in them. They're wonderfully high in fiber, which hauls out any uh, carcinogen that's up against the colon wall. It'll hold it, t it'll make the mass uh, waste product go fast through the colon and uh, haul those things out before they have time to set up against the colon wall and cause damage. And uh, all of the beans, they showed beans were so good for us that we should be eating them every day. Some, you know, some type of bean every day. Now I know there's some of you that can't handle beans and um, usually it's the way you cook it. You know, don't cook beans to death. If they're cooked to a mush, they're going to cause gas and all kinds of problems. Have it still in the s solid in the bean. You know, the bean still some little uh, substance there, not just mush. Well, anyway, what I want to share with you is that um, all these foods that I'm talking about are manna from heaven. You know, they're there. Those foods are there. They're packed with all of these wonderful uh, chemicals and substance in there for your well-being to keep you well. And your mother was right. Eat your vegetables. Now, she wasn't talking about, you know, for your nutrients. She wasn't talking about a vitamin, you know, uh, get your nutrients, uh, you know, take one out of the red pile and one out of the yellow pile and one out of the white pile. 
you know, you need all the fiber and all the things that are around that uh, vegetable or whatever you're eating. It is whole foods, especially fruits and vegetables, that pack the disease-preventing wallop. And what I want to share with you is this uh, paper that some of the tests coming out, but this one, it was just amazing. Just a few years ago, scientists didn't know phytochemicals existed, but today they are the new frontier in cancer prevention uh, research. Now, they have all kinds of phytochemicals in uh, vegetables for protection for our health, and they have all these uh, different names for them. It says um, they harbor a whole smorgasbord of compounds that have never seen the inside of a, a vitamin bottle for the simple reason that scientists have not until very recently even known they existed, let alone brewed them into pills. The compounds are called phytochemicals. Phyto is derived from the Greek word for plant. Every slice of tomato and every bite of apricot contains thousands of these chemicals. Isn't that amazing? And then it says, in the world where scientists uh, merge with health, phytochemicals are the next big thing. The National Cancer Institute is so excited it has launched a multi-million dollar project to find, isolate, and study them. But you know what's going to happen, brothers and sisters? They're going to put them in a vitamin pill. But the only problem is the rest of this report brings out that in the food, the vitamin and the chemical that you need, you need the rest of that around it to be able to get the benefit from it. So you, know, you may get some help from a vitamin pill, but believe me, that's not the way to go because it will throw you out of balance. Now there is growing evidence, says the senior science advisor at the United States Public Health Service, that these natural products can take tumors and diffuse them. They can turn off the process of cancer. And we know it because we've seen it. And what they are, grapes, Grapes have an acid or a substance in it that is like a scavenger to uh, carcinogens and uh, prevents them from uh, altering a cell's DNA. And uh, they have a lot on soybeans and, and dried beans on this one article. Fruits, and um, they have these different enzymes and phytochemicals in there that you need not only for protection of cancer but for many other things. And grains and the vegetables, and this, I was so thrilled to understand this. Boychuck, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cowflower, collards, kale, collaborate, collaborate, thank you, mustard greens, rutabag, and uh, turnip greens, and turnips all have these enzymes in there. And um, so, like I said, your mother was right, eat your vegetables. There's much more I'd like to share on here, but I just need to move along so I can finish in time. Um, God was um, so generous to us, and if we would have just uh, done everything, you know, we, would de we didn't have to wait until um, we science proved it. If we would have just gone along right away, we could have had the benefit of all of this health. Now, uh, this statement has, that I'm going to give you has always amazed me. Tana, Thomas Edison said, the doctor of the future will use no medicine. Now, how did he know that? That has baffled me for a long time. How did Thomas Edison, 
living way back then, know that the doctor of the future will use no medicine. Now, my husband and I recently attended in Australia some doctors' meetings. We also did in Washington, D.C., where they were bringing out this information. And what we couldn't help but notice was that it sounded like one of our classes or one that the doctor would give uh, at um, Heartland or you know, uh, at Weimar, some of those doctors. And they're doctors of the world. And they answer the questions exactly the same way that we do and these doctors do. And, um, and they know all about this. It's all there and it's been there for years. You just had to go and, and um, dig it out. And I was sharing today with uh, Richard how uh, one scientist brought out about uh, the lactose and calcium in milk is uh, like in a patient that has clogged arteries. They're not going to have a reversal, and they're not doing themselves any favor if they just cut down to low-fat milk or skim milk because they still have the lactose and the calcium in it. And uh, in the article, this doctor or this scientist said, uh, the reason they don't publicize this so much is because of the dairy industry. It would really hurt the dairy industry. Well, that don't make sense to me. Does it to you? And my friend said to me, well, what would be the difference if you took a gun in a fast food restaurant and shot a bunch of people, or if you knew this information and you wouldn't share it and a bunch of people died? What's the difference? If we have this information and we set on it, and uh, we watch people lose their lives and that they could have regained their health. Well, <clears throat> I'd like to, um, we're coming into the Sabbath hours, and I'd like to change the topic here from nutrition over into, you know, there's many ways of healing, but there's only one way that heaven approves of. You heard that statement before. And so brothers and sisters, the devil is out there working very hard today to keep a bushel basket over this information that's coming out, but it's coming out everywhere. <clears throat> you can't pick up a book or a magazine anywhere today that you don't see something about health and something that we already know or should have already known. And there is a war going on. Are you aware of the war that's going on? There's a war going on, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, you're involved, and so am I. And this war is going right on over our heads. And um, this battle um, I, is, is a storm. It's a battle. It's a war. Um, when I first went to... Um, Heartland, I was caught in a storm, and I'd never been in a storm like this. Now, I've been in a, since then, I've been in storms like this, but I was always inside. This storm I'm going to tell you about, I was outside, and um, I'll never forget it as long as I live, and I know that uh, the Lord allowed this to happen because he wanted to teach me a lesson, and um, what happened is I had promised one of the health guests that I would go up to the other building, up to the mansion, and get some uh, stamps for her. And um, I was so busy, and the day was getting by, and I looked outside, and I thought, boy, I better get up there and get those stamps for her. 
No, it was a beautiful sunshiny day and the wind was beginning to blow and I had no reason to believe that it was going to be such a bad storm because it was a beautiful day. And uh, when I stepped outside, I noticed that the wind was blowing more than I had ever experienced there, but it was still warm and everything. And I, I walked up there, I got my stamps. Um, a few people talked to me, you know, I, I wasted a little bit of time there, but the wind began to blow and we had those windows that uh, open out rather than up. And they started banging and I had a trouble with some screens, so I thought I better go fix those. Well, while I was doing this, the storm was really building up, and by then I knew we were going to have a good storm. And so I thought, should I stay here and wait out the storm, or should I go back over? Because I, I was new there. I wasn't sure how their storms go. You know, some places you go and the storm hits like that. And um, while I was thinking this, I saw a young lady and her daughter uh, leave, and so I thought, oh, she's lived here a long time. She knows that it's all right. And this is going to happen. This happened to me faster than I can tell you about it. So I saw her go out and, and her daughter, and so she'd lived there a long time. I thought, well, it's going to be safe enough. And so I went running down the steps, and as I left the last step, it went through my mind again. I shouldn't have gone. But by then I was running, and they were running, and I thought, oh, well, I'm probably going to get a little bit wet, but I'll make it before. But I didn't. Before I got around the first curve, it was already pouring. I mean, absolutely pouring. The wind had picked up more than I'd ever felt or experienced. And by the time I came to the next curve, by that time, the wind was making so much noise. Trees were crashing and limbs were crashing. And I mean, the rain. Have you ever felt rain penetrate into your skin right through your clothes? I mean, it was hitting with such force. To me, I thought it couldn't get any harder, and just about the time I thought of that, it picked up some more, and it came harder and harder at me. I couldn't believe it. By this time, I'm running with all my might. I mean, I'm putting every bit I have into it. And, uh, and I can run pretty fast, by the way. And, uh, but the wind was blowing right at me, and I wasn't making much headway. And at one point, I thought, should I lay down and just maybe see if it'll go over me? You know. But I kept running and running, and I got my hand on the door, and it was so noisy. I mean, it was just like the wind had picked up even more and more. And I, I pulled the door open, and I stepped inside, and the door shut, and it was dead silence. All I could hear is my breathing. And I was breathing hard, believe me. The Lord spoke to my mind as I stepped in there and there was silence. I looked and I saw some ladies working in the kitchen and they were talking happily and everything. They didn't know this storm was going on. Oh, they knew there was a storm. They knew that it was raining and the wind was blowing, but they didn't know about this storm. Only people who were out in the storm knew about the storm. Now this building is a brick building, solid built, and you couldn't even hear you know, the way, the wind and everything, what was going on. And God said to me, this is my people. This is the way my people are. This storm, this war is building up with fierce intensity. And my people are going on like nothing is happening. And it just dawned on me how really that I wasn't even aware how intense this war this is going on. There is a battle going on, and this battle you are involved in, whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, and the battle is for your mind. And brothers and sisters, I've just recently learned, just recently learned, and I thought I knew a lot about the health message, but do you know that it's one of the final tests to God's people? 
And brothers and sisters, we know the Sabbath is a test, isn't that correct? But do you know that we cannot keep the Sabbath holy unless we accept these health principles and live them? Many people are not aware of that, and they are not aware of this storm that's going to go on. And what are we going to do when the evil one is out there working miracles and wonders that our very eyes and ears are going to experience? Are we going to believe those miracles that he is going to perform? Or are we going to go to the law and to the testimony and mark everything? You know, because there's many ways of healing, but only one way that heaven approves of. And many people today are claiming that they're being healed by doing this and that and this and that. And Adventists are picking up all of these things and using them and trying to protect themselves when they have the answer in the testimonies and in God's beautiful, loving word right here. You can find the whole health message in the first two chapters of this book. You know, brothers and sisters, if we live like the world, we act like the world, we talk like the world, we dress like the world, we eat like the world, we are of the world. We must be a different people. We must, we must eat different, we must talk different, we must act different, we must live different, we must dress different than the world. God is calling us up to higher ground, and he wants us to be an example to the whole world. The word is to be our defense when Satan works with such lying wonders that if it were possible, he would deceive the very elect. It is then that those who have not stood firmly, now listen to this statement that I'm gonna to read to you. It is then that those who have not stood firmly for the truth will unite with the unbelieving who love and make a lie. When these wonders are performed, when the sick are healed and the other marvels are wrought, they will be deceived. Now who are these ones that are gonna be deceived? They're gonna be the ones who did not stand firmly for the truth. So in other words, what, I can, what I'm saying to you, you may believe the truth and you may accept the truth, but if you're not standing firmly it says here that you will unite with the unbelieving who love and make a lie and that you will be deceived. Brothers and sisters, we need to know where we stand on the health message. We need to apply it in our lives and though the heavens fall, that we cannot be moved because this is where Satan is going to work with his lying wonders and miracles that we don't like to talk about much, right? But that's where it's coming. And are we prepared for those perilous times that are right upon us? Or are we standing where we will fall an easy prey to the wilds of, de of the devil? You know, Satan is playing a game of life for every soul, for yours and mine. And he plays for keeps. And the battle for our mind will be very severe. And God calls for men of fidelity. He has no use in an emergency for a two-sided man. Every one of us will be sorely tempted. Our faith will be tried to the utmost. 
We must have a living connection with God. We must be partakers of the divine nature. Yes, you heard me right. We must be partakers of the divine nature. Then we shall not be deceived by the devices of the enemy and shall escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. The purity, the holiness of the life of Jesus as presented from the word of God has more power to reform and transform our lives than all other things. And one steadfast look to the Savior uplifted on the cross and all things together, the cross will do more to purify our lives. Isn't that correct? And God is asking us to carry a cross. He's not asking us to pick up a light plastic cross and follow him. He is asking us to pick up a cross. And brothers and sisters, I don't know if we're ready, but the time is here. We are the last generation. And it's time that our children knew that we are the last generation. And we need to give our children a blessing. And with that, what I want to say is we need to be like John the Baptist, each one of us and our children. And if you remember right, when's the first time that John the Baptist heard that he had a special message uh, for he was to do a special work? While he was still in the womb is the first time he heard it. And that's the way with your children. And you know that in Bible times, what they used to do is put their hand on their children and approve them. And one, they might, they'd line their children up and the husband would come home, the priest of the household, and put his hands on his children and say, Joshua, my little physician, you're going to be the best physician there ever was. And every night he would do this with Joshua. He'd say, I can tell everything you do. You can see you're going to be a physician. And another one, John, you're going to be the best attorney. You know how I can tell you're going to be a good attorney, John? By everything you do. I see how fair you are with everyone. Every night, give your children a blessing. Put your hands on them. They are seeking your approval. They are, for a, they are to be a special people for a special message, the last message to be given to a dying world. You must make your children believe it. God is waiting. He is waiting for us. Let us not one be found holding the time up for Jesus' soon return. Thank you.